Welcome to That's Good Sports. I am Brandon. There's so much beer guzzling in the XFL, I feel like I'm in college every weekend. The only difference between college and XFL is players are getting paid 50 G's a year to drink beer instead of paying 50 G's in tuition for the right to have your stomach pumped at least once. Today, I will power rank the XFL teams with huge shakeups in the rankings, preview a bit of this weekend's action and deliver some good news about the XFL. Also, this morning, my wife, before she left, told me to look in the mirror and make sure I fix my hair before I shoot today's episode. And out of respect for you, I did not do that. This is the authentic me. Oh, let's get it. sports. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that big tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all of your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The good XFL news that I mentioned is that we should almost certainly see a second XFL season. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise, as Vince McMahon allegedly took out enough money for three seasons. But a few things that I have read and this XFL Reddit post give some viable reasons to further support that. One is XFL merch is selling, and they're having trouble keeping jerseys in stock. Two, ratings are staying above 1 million on FS1 and ESPN, which is two and a half more times than the AAF was producing. Three, people are actually going to the games, and about twice as many as were attending AAF games. And four, maybe most importantly, they have me as a loyal XFL hype man. Probably their greatest asset if they ask my mother. So Oliver Luck, why don't you give my mom a call and see if we can work out some sort of deal? Not a sexual one, like you giving me a cool job. Now this weekend's games include the Dragons as 13 point dogs to the Roughnecks on the road, the Renegades hosting the Guardians, and Dallas is favored by seven and a half. Uh, the Defenders are three point dogs at home with St. Louis coming to town and the Vipers still not favored against the Wildcats. Well, LA is a one point favorite, so like Vegas, I think none of us have a clue how that game will go. Power rankings, number eight is the DC Defenders as the curse of Sonic the Hedgehog continues to spread faster than the coronavirus in DC. Now I did not want to put DC at number eight, but I had no choice. A team I hailed as the best for two whole weeks of my life has embarrassed me. They were the only team in the East to lose last weekend, and they have given up 12 touchdowns, which is now the most in the league, just ahead of the Roughnecks with 11. This means DC has a negative touchdown ratio of four. Cardale Jones has to change everything he's doing. He and Landry Jones are throwing too many interceptions, seven for Jones and six for Jones, making this the first time nobody wants to keep up with the Joneses. 
Now you know I didn't underestimate the Vipers here, but I don't think anyone saw a 25-0 loss handed to DC by a Mark Trestman coach team. Things that would surprise me less than that are Antonio Brown winning a Grammy. Hey! Hey! Mark Davis landing on the cover of GQ, and Ben Roethlisberger winning Best Motorcycle Driver of the Decade at the NFL Honors. The Vipers were the defenders' get-right game, and they blew it. Now they host the Battlehawks, who might actually be the most complete team in the league. Then DC faces the Renegades and the Roughnecks, which leaves me feeling the opposite of optimistic for DC which is what most of us just call every day of our life as we read more about politics and the coronavirus. Number seven, Seattle Dragons. The Dragons got three pieces of good news this week. One, they are not ranked dead fucking last in my prestigious power rankings. Two, they may have found a quarterback who can not only help them feel real good, he can help them win and beat Jay Daniels. And most importantly, cornerback Mohamed Cisse posted on his Instagram this message after he suffered a scary neck injury last weekend. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone that reached out. I appreciate all the prayers. Thank you very much. As you can see, I got a neck brace on. I did fracture the bone in my neck, but um, I'm in good spirits. I appreciate everyone that reached out. Thank you very much. I will overcome this injury and I'll be healthy again. Thank you. That's a fucking man right there. We forget these guys are out there risking their health for 50 grand a year. That's like an accountant going to work every day, but knowing during tax season, which coincides with the XFL, he could get blindsided at the office at any moment by his 225 pound boss, Charlie, who demands to be called Chew because he loves reliving his high school football glory days by surprise tackling his subordinates at the office. The Dragons, have been possibly the most underwhelming team in the league. Not a single player in the top 10 in rushing or receiving. Not a single player with more than one sack or interception. It's felt like the only player they have is linebacker Steven Johnson, who still leads the league in tackles. But that all changed the moment BJ Daniels was inserted to the mouth of the lineup. Number six, New York Guardians. Officially the luckiest team in the XFL. How they have two wins is beyond me. As someone who watched Luis Perez play for the Iron last year, I was happy to see him have success with the Guardians offense. And he didn't even need Trent Richardson to rush for six yards and four touchdowns to get the win. He's only played in one game, so it's very easy to claim this stat. But Perez now has the highest quarterback rating in the league at 113.6. We will learn a lot more about Perez and his legitimacy as a long-term starter Saturday when he travels to Dallas. The Renegades are still considered a good team because their defense is stout. And much like a stout beer, it may not be everyone's favorite, and you never want one after a heavy meal, but they will get you plenty drunk. With Landry Jones sidelined, this is a great opportunity for the Guardians to steal another victory, something they are proving to be very good at, just like the Astros. Keep an eye on Guardians defender Jarrell Owens, who was unstoppable last weekend, and their return to pressuring the quarterback like they did week one. Number five, it's the LA Wildcats. 
There are only four quarterbacks in the XFL right now who have positive touchdown to interception ratios. PJ Walker, Jordan Tayamu, Luis Perez, and leading the group is Wildcats quarterback Josh Johnson. Seven touchdowns and just one interception. Now I really believe the main reason LA lost was because of their two key injuries to receiver Nelson Spruce and running back Martez Carter. Now per the XFL injury report, Spruce wasn't practicing early this week and Carter was limited. Uh, LA needs both of them back in the lineup as soon as possible. I actually think the Wildcats will finish second in the West and play the Roughnecks in the playoffs, but I'm keeping them below Dallas for now because they lost to the fucking Guardians. Nick Novak's missed field goal basically cost them the game. He's been placed on IR and they have signed former NFL Italian stallion kicker Giorgio Tavecchio. Tavecchio. Who was one phone call away from being deported back to Italy where he'd have to kick soccer balls in empty stadiums. So basically like if he were the Chargers kicker here in America. Number four, it's the Dallas Renegades who have dominated the XFL news cycle this week, if there is such a thing. Now we learned that offensive coordinator Hal Mume, Mummy? Mum. Oh God, I wanna call him Mummy. Mum. Who took this shot on the sideline and broke his leg and coached through the pain which officially moves Hal ahead of Winston Moss on the badass power rankings of XFL coaches. The towel around his neck now makes a lot of sense. Knowing that his leg was fractured, the towel actually functioned as a team doctor, a crutch, and Vicodin. Without towels, we'd all be dead and perpetually wet. Now after the game, we thought Landry Jones might be done for the season. Instead, Jones is out for maybe as little as two weeks. That's how passionate he is about this game, and you don't dare question his fucking love of the game. Hand it to the Renegades' defense for keeping them in every game, even though their quarterback gives the ball away like whoever the hell this guy is throwing at Des Bryant. We should see Philip Nelson start for Dallas, and if he wants to win, I can't emphasize this enough, just throw the ball to my favorite tight end, Donald Parham. Now pronounced correctly. Imagine loving a player so much that you say his name wrong for two damn weeks. That's how much I love Donald Parham, formerly Farham. Number three, it's the Tampa Bay Vipers. Backup quarterback and running back who has run the ball just 16 times and passed just 15 times this season, Quentin Flowers returned to the Vipers after leaving last week but has also apparently requested a trade. Now I know Landry Jones is scheduled to return in Dallas in as little as two weeks, but I'd like to see Flowers in Dallas. He picked a bad week though to not be on the Vipers roster as Taylor Cornelius played pretty well. He rushed and tossed a tanga banga and completed 77% of his passes. The Vipers slithered for 226 rushing yards and I have to believe that number would have been even higher if Flowers was playing last weekend. Sure, his role would have still been limited because Cornelius was playing well, but Flowers almost certainly would have had made a few dynamic plays, which really would have helped his trade value this week. Flowers is basically getting sprayed with Roundup every week, making it really hard for him to fucking blossom in this league. Number two, it's the St. Louis Battlehawks, the team that is most like me. Is the law. And I really think the only way the Battlehawks can get better is to adopt Ladyhawk 
as their official team movie as we watch them transform into an elite team. I want them to play that in the stadium every time Tayamu completes a pass. Yes, or anytime I say his name slightly wrong, Tayamu. Or anytime he wins Star of the Week. Jordan Tayamu. Star of the Week. The Battlehawks are 3-1 and atop the East in the standings. And unless the Vipers go on a tear, I don't see a real threat in the East for St. Louis right now. They play fundamentally sound defensive football. Dexter McCoyle has the third most tackles in the league. And as a unit, they have given up the fewest touchdowns this season so far at seven. To improve, I think their offense actually needs to get better. They're third in touchdown scored, but also only have one receiver in the top 10 in DeMornay Pearson L. Part of that is because Jordan Tayamu <laughs> spreads the ball around very effectively. And running back Matt Jones and Jordan Tayamu <laughs> are both top five in rushing yards, but I still want to see a real threat in the passing game to complement Pearson L. And number one, still, it's your Houston Roughnecks. This ain't never been better than Houston in anything. And it's still staying, and still, because we undefeated, you know what I mean? Yeah, they tried, yeah. They tried to Buffalo Wild Wings our game, but we ain't having that. On top. What does that mean? Buffalo Wild Wings is the biggest wing franchise, but their wings aren't good. So is he suggesting that people are saying the Roughnecks aren't as good as their record? I don't know. I think the Battlehawks can give Houston a run for their money as the best team in the league, but one thing nobody can do is give us better entertainment than the Roughnecks. They have the most touchdowns scored as a team with 16 and second most given up at 11, which means almost every game they play is exciting because there's lots of touchdowns. They basically toy with their opponents like a cat with a mouse before ending its life. They should be called the Houston Wildcats, honestly. And if Netflix taught me anything this week, it's that you don't fuck with cats. And despite only having one catch for nine yards last week, Cam Phillips still leads the XFL in receptions with 21 receiving yards with 333 and with touchdowns at seven. The Roughnecks finally scored that defensive touchdown last week that they kept getting close to, and Dietrich Nichols now leads the league as the sole interception king with three. Safety Cody Brown has two picks so far as well, making Houston the only team with more than one player to have more than one pick. A big reason the Roughnecks' offense has scored so many points is due to the defense setting them up for the easy spike. Sort of an under-discussed thing about Houston so far, but we're only four weeks in, and that's when these things start to take shape. I say hello. Oh, thanks for watching the Power Cap Ranking Re- What? This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good.